Hi there, it's Father Barry Cuba, and you're listening to Facets, which is a podcast wherein I like us to consider elements of the world and of ourselves in a new way. And this episode is a follow-up to the last episode, which spoke about perseverance. And sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that this took so long for me to get out. I'm down here at a parish, and we're trying to figure out, of course, with all of the COVID protocols, how to open, uh, but also in a way that's safe and respectful of uh, wherever people are at and all of this. But I'm happy to be in front of a microphone again, talking about uh, something that I really care about and has been a bit of a personal journey for me. And that's how to stay positive, how to continue forward, again, how to persevere. Like I said in the last episode, when you're disliked, not only just disliked, but there may be people out there that are actively kind of out to get you. It's interesting. I don't want to sound too paranoid or anything like that, but some of you may have that experience where there's just someone in your life and uh, or multiple people and you just don't know what to do. You've tried everything and uh, nothing you can do can seem to change their minds against you. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I'm looking forward to it. So let's get started and talk about the situation, the context. Something that almost universally happens when we want to be creative, when we want to put ourselves out there, when we want to make a difference. And this concept was taught to me by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, He's one of these corporate consultants that goes to different companies and helps them with organizational leadership. And uh, he's worked with Southwest Airlines and a lot of different companies. But I'm sure that he got this concept from somewhere else. So I'm just continuing to pass it along. And he talks about the law of thirds, the law of thirds. So imagine you have a rectangle in front of you. So imagine I'm in front of like a whiteboard or something and I'm drawing just a rectangle in the middle of it and I'm dividing it into thirds, but they're not equal thirds. The section in the middle is larger. So you've got this kind of small sliver on the left, a large chunk in the middle, and then a small sliver on the right. And what the law of thirds says is that Whenever you create something, so say you're putting a video out on YouTube, you're making music, or whenever you're running an organization where you have customers, or in my situation, whenever you are uh, running a church or being a part of the staff on a church, this pretty much universally tracks to any of these situations. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. So what the law of thirds says is that Uh, For any organization that you're in, and I'm just going to stick with church because that's what I know, but, you know, think about how it affects your own life. You have um, three sets of people. The first on the left are the negatives, and you can imagine me drawing like a little negative sign. In the middle, you have the undecideds, and this is the largest chunk of people. And imagine I'm drawing a question mark there in the middle. And then on the right, imagine I'm drawing a plus side, and these are your positives. Your positives are those that support you no matter what. They're aligned with your mission. Um, they, they love you, essentially. They love exactly what you're doing, and they want to be a part of it. And they want to uh, actually be effective with you. Your negatives are those you can never please. They're on the other end of the spectrum. No matter what you do, uh, they will find something wrong with what you have said or created or done. In the middle, though, are the undecideds, and they don't know exactly where they lie. They're kind of watching what's going on. And imagine this to be about, I don't know, 60%, 70%. doesn't have to be exact, but they're watching. They're watching how you behave. 
And what's interesting in organizational dynamics when we, we look at this is that they're going to look at the leader, they're going to look at you as the content creator, and they're going to see who you give your attention to, where you give the oxygen in the room to. And if you give it to those who are negative and you spend all of your time doing that, something interesting happens. And this happens all the time. We see it in companies all the time. The positives will say, huh, I guess that's how you get attention. Half of them will turn negative. The other half will leave or go to another organization. Now your undecideds are also seeing that. And they're going to lean towards the negative side too. So many of us, we think, oh my gosh, if I can just shore up those who are negative, if I can just get them to believe in my mission, if I can just get them to align behind me, oh man, everything's going to be great. Actually, no. What it does is shift the whole perspective of your organization towards the negatives. Now, conversely, this is what happens when you focus on those who align with your mission and focus on those who support you. Half of the negatives will never be pleased. They'll actually leave. The other half will say, oh my gosh, I guess that's how you get attention. I guess that's how you get the air in the room, so to speak. So they will actually shift over to the positive side and more of your undecideds will shift to your positive side. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because, oh my gosh, y'all, uh, I spent probably, look, I've been a priest for seven years. Um, and whether you're Catholic or not, those who are listening, um, you probably know a few Catholics who are opinionated and think that they know um, exactly what needs to be done. That's in any organization. And I spent most of my life so far as a professional trying to please those on the negative side, thinking, oh my gosh, if I can just get them to believe in me, everything is going to be okay. What I did was create a culture in which temper tantrums were uh, seen as the way to get things done, in which there was chaos, and a lot of people had no clue what was going on. But people knew that the way to get my attention was to complain. And it created this kind of vicious cycle. And a lot of the people who initially supported me were like, what's the point? What's the point if nothing's going to get done and if only complaints get rewarded? I wanted to introduce this to you because I think it brings about a concept that can translate into our relationships as well. I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, if just this friend will support me or this person in my family will see things my way, everything will be okay. But other people are watching and the people that you're dealing with themselves are watching and they're seeing where your attention goes. So in a good effort and, and, and with the best intentions, trying to, to placate everyone, trying to please people, what we can actually do is create a culture in which more people kind of are coming after us, are criticizing us. Something interesting. So think about that. The law of thirds at your work and your relationships. Uh, I hope that that's a helpful law for you to think about. I want to shift a bit from this idea of the law of thirds, which is really dealing with things at a macro level. It's dealing with a lot of people all at once. And talk a little bit about personal criticism. You know, when someone attacks something that you create or you as a person. And people are always telling me, still to this day, 
but for years they've been telling me, Barry, you need to get a thicker skin. You need to get a thicker skin. And they throw those platitudes out. You know, others can't hurt you unless you allow them sticks and stones and all of that stuff. But here's my take on all of this. Some people are just highly sensitive. They'll get hurt. It's who they are. It's in their makeup. And I'm not a believer that you can sort of Jedi yourself or meditate yourself out of who you are, nor should you necessarily, because there are benefits to being sensitive. Uh, I, as a highly sensitive person, and I know a lot of people are able to relate to people at a, at a depth, you know, that in many ways can be beautiful. But I want to share with you something almost philosophical about um, relationships. And this comes from the Austrian physician and psychiatrist Alfred Adler. And Alfred Adler was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud, who more people are familiar with. But he has a lot of great work out there on interpersonal relationships. So clients would go into Alfred Adler's office and they would report that they were stressed, anxious, depressed. You know, a lot of things that people still report to their physicians today. And Adler believed that this had to do with freedom. He said that people felt like they were trapped, that they were unable to explore, create, move around, love, and be loved. And he noticed that the people who were very stressed, very anxious, all of that, were conducting themselves in such a way as to not be disliked by anyone. And conducting yourself in such a way as to not be disliked by anyone, he says, is an extremely unfree way of living. So then he was led to the conclusion that freedom is being disliked by other people. Now stop and think about that for a moment because that statement is pretty mind-shifting. Freedom is being disliked by other people. That's actually a metric that Adler would use to see if one of his clients was free or not because he posited that being disliked is a good thing. It shows you have an identity for people to actually react to. The only way to avoid criticism or being disliked is to say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. And he would say also as well that they don't build statues of people who have never been criticized. There are all of these historical figures that we look up to who are etched in stone. But pick up any biography and you'll know that they were criticized. Wishing so hard to be recognized, to be approved of, um, will lead to a life of following expectations held by other people who want you to be this particular type of person. And Adler believed a great source of stress in people's lives was people throwing away who they really are to try to please other people. Adler will go so far as to even say that it's actually selfish, even a bit arrogant, to think that we have so much control over someone's response to us. Say I give a speech and someone reacts to it and says it's just the worst thing they've ever heard. We think, or we tend to think, that it's that one speech that caused this negative reaction from a person. But Adler says we need to consider that that speech happened as just one moment in time, one dot on the line of this person's life. What caused the negative reaction can come from how they were raised, what they studied, their relationships, if they had a bad day yesterday, you name it. People are whirling nexuses of their context. 
So people carry around with them um, what they've experienced. He says that to try to influence people's opinion of you is to rob them of their task, their task, which is to develop their own opinions, to grow in maturity as their own person. He says as well that most problems in relationships come when people try to take over another person's task. Now, tasks are important for Adler, so I want to go ahead and try to define that concept. Say there's a child who needs to study. No matter what the parents do, it is ultimately the child that has to do the learning. The parents can't study for the child. So in this case, studying is the child's task. Now, parents will try to influence that task. You know, they'll, they'll try to have rewards or punishments or things like that. But eventually, the child has to study on their own. You can't fill the information into their minds. And maturity, Adler says, is about learning to separate your tasks from other people's tasks. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I mean, we see this all the time uh, from the classic kind of example of the mother-in-law who's too involved in their child's marriage or codependency in relationships. So often we take other people's tasks. Um, We feel like we need to be responsible for their behavior. As a priest, I hear confessions, and that's a common theme that comes up in confessions. This person won't do this. My child won't do this. My husband won't do this. And we get angry as if we had the power to somehow um, influence them. Uh, We can, you know, externally through threats and things like that, but, but those don't last and they can often cause more problems. I mention all of this because Adler is saying it's not our task to care about what people think of us. And being disliked is the cost of being yourself. Now I'm going to move away from Alfred Adler. I bet you didn't know you were going to get a philosophy lesson today, but I hope you found it interesting. And end with a caveat. There are opinions that we can take from people and receive from people that help us to become more skillful, that can help align us with our goals. But we have to be careful that we're still in charge of choosing whose opinions matter to us. Again, I fell into this trap. I would give one homily, which for non-Catholic listeners, that's when I get up and speak about something. And I would receive feedback from everyone and take it all equal. I would take it from uh, the person in the pews. I'd take it from Brother Priest. I would, you know, there was no kind of distinction into what uh, opinion uh, weighed more or less. I just basically took all opinions as being equal. And what that did was cause a lot of chaos. I didn't realize that the opinions that really mattered were those who were in the arena with me, who were doing the same things that I do, who had my best in mind. Um, there are people out there who just, because they might be wounded or something like that, they will want to take you down because it gives them a sense of power. If you take those opinions and you, and you think that they're just as, as valid as those of people who are really caring for you, who really have your best interests in mind, that's going to cause a, a lot of cognitive dissonance in your mind, which is just where your mind is trying to make sense of all of this stuff. And again, like Adler says, cause stress and anxiety and a lot of mental anguish. So just want to leave you with this thought. If you're spending a lot of energy trying to please others, trying to avoid being disliked, take some time to reflect on 
what you're giving up by doing that, who you're giving up by doing that.